Would you please open your Bibles? And I was thinking about what the greatest gift um, that we can give to each other and to others. What is the greatest gift we can give? And I know that straight away you and I would say, well, it's to give people Jesus. And you're absolutely right. There's no greater gift than Jesus. Scripture tells us that. We know the gospel, there's something which is so precious to us because through the gospel story and the power of God, our sins were forgiven. We're transformed. We have a new identity and we have a new destiny in God. So the gospel is glorious to us. It's a wonderful gift that we can give to people. But I think a gift that we can give to each other right throughout the year is the gift of forgiveness. And I thought about that gift that we need to ready ourselves with for this coming Christmas. Christmas traditionally is notorious for families getting together, but really who don't want to be together. Christmas is a time when family get into one another's personal spaces, and yet we find that there are so many rifts between families at Christmas. Uh, it's what I've experienced over the years. It's what I've seen. And I'm trusting for this Christmas that God would, in a miraculous way, work through you and I to give the gift of forgiveness to each other. But you know, the gift of forgiveness starts here with us. And when we get it right here, it is so much easier to get it right out there. The hardest people to forgive oftentimes are the people we're closest to. If you're married, sometimes it is the hardest thing to say to your husband, you are perfect, my love. You don't need any forgiveness. <laughs> no, it's the hardest thing to say to your husband, I forgive you. You've hurt me, you've sinned against me, but I forgive you. Sometimes it's the hardest thing for us as men. The men who I said a few weeks ago where the adage is, cowboys don't cry. And we dealt with that myth. But for men to walk up to their wives and just to say to them, I forgive you for what you've done to me. You see, but it's not just what had happened maybe that week or that past month. Forgiveness reaches way back into our pasts. And when we have not forgiven our parents, when we have not forgiven our spouse, Jen and I would have been married for 29 years on the 27th of November. And so it's coming up. And we have had 29 years of where we have hurt each other and where we have said things and where we have done things and where we haven't done things that offended us. And I find that if we hadn't dealt with those things in the past, it is very hard to deal with forgiveness today when something happens. 
I believe that God wants to arise within our hearts a spirit whereby we would be able to say, I forgive you for yesterday, but I also forgive you for the past, what has happened. If we hadn't done it, unforgiveness wraps around us almost like an ugly web that just sticks to us and it deforms our character and our nature. And we grow into that deformity and the older we get, the harder it is for us to be released from that deformity. But I'm glad to say to you today that the gospel that you and I celebrate is strong enough to release us from that web of deformity that clings to us, sticks to us, and every little ugliness, that web, just, just is there for it to stick to. That's how powerful unforgiveness is. That's how powerful bitterness is. Bitterness, my friends, is like that web. Even the most innocent comment will stick to that web because it is so sticky and it will be transformed into something ugly and that's why you and I react the way that we react. Agreed? I believe the gift of forgiveness is a gift that God has given to us but so many of us actually need to unwrap that gift and we need to give it to someone else and we need to love them with it. Oh, I could tell you about so many instances within the short life that I've lived where I've been hurt, where I felt misunderstood, where I have hurt other people and just where situations could have been really, really ugly if it wasn't for Jesus and for the cross within my life. And even today there are times when the Holy Spirit just speaks to me and he unearths a situation that happened in my life many, many years ago. And I realized that I dealt with that situation, but I hadn't dealt with it fully. And the Holy Spirit is so kind to show me Jesus in that situation. And it's amazing how he gives me the faith to actually deal with that situation. Oftentimes when I speak to you and the subject of of forgiveness comes up and you have a whole list of reasons why you cannot forgive. I think back and I just look at my life and I said, Lord, there's been instances in my life where it was so hard to forgive. When things were taken from me, that was very special to me. And yet I can sit down with people and I can share with them that through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives us the power to release people, not to rehearse those hurts of the past, but to look over that offense. And of course, the writer to the Proverbs says, it is to our glory to overlook an offense. And so I think that one of the greatest gifts that we can give each other that we can give others is the gift of forgiveness. And that starts today, in this very moment. 
And so I'd like to read a story in the scripture for us from Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 to 35. If you wouldn't mind turning to that passage, please. You see, the two greatest barriers to inner peace are guilt and resentment. Guilt comes from what we do to other people, doesn't it? And resentment comes from what others do to us. My friends, the only true and lasting antidote to guilt is to receive the mercy and the forgiveness of God. The antidote to resentment is to offer mercy and forgiveness to those that hurt us. And we look at a passage of scripture where Peter speaks to Jesus about the subject matter. If you remember, just a few passages prior to this one, Jesus deals with church discipline here, and he deals with issues like adultery, and he really speaks about the matters of the heart here. And Peter picks up on it. And Peter is that character who always wants to have the last word in a conversation. Are you like that? I'm pretty much like that. Peter is very much like one of those characters who, who always wants to share the greatest thought after a thought had been shared. He always wants to add another paragraph after the paragraph had been concluded. See, some of you smile at yourselves. And he does it here after Jesus concluded. And the one thing you know about Jesus is that you can never out-talk him. And we see that Peter tries to do it again. So have a look within this passage how he tries to present his better side to Jesus. And of course, my friends, where we stand in front of Jesus, we never have a better side, do we? Stand in his presence, in his holiness. It is in those moments that we realize just how much we need him, how his mercy covers us, and just how sinful we are actually. And Peter forgot that for a few moments. And so let's read Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 to 24. Those of you at home, make sure that you've got your Bibles open. Don't mind it if you have a cup of coffee, but open up your hearts just to what Jesus is saying to us here through the Holy Spirit as we read his scriptures. And verse 23 says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, Bryce, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had had to be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. Isn't that our story? Isn't that the story of the cross? I brought the cross out this morning for you to look at that more than at me. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who had owed him a hundred 
silver coins, which is much less than what he owed the master. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers. And in the original it says to the tormentors to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister. Can you add those last few words? What does it say? Wow. From the heart. As Christians, when you read that scripture where it says, and forgive your brother or sister from the heart, I want you to know that as Christians, we are held to a much higher standard than others. Amen? And I think when we understand the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, we understand the gospel, that he cancelled out our debt fully, never for us to ever to repay it again. Because of what he did for us. As Christians, we are kept to a much higher standard when it comes to these things. Because firstly, Jesus forgave us, and secondly, through the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit and the scriptures that he's given to us, he enables us to forgive more generously and to give more completely to others. That's why daily we look to him and we say to him, Lord, I cannot do this thing without you. But he calls us to that because that act of love transforms the world. See, Peter asked the question to Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, verses 20, 21. Peter says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not even seven times, but 70 times seven, the higher standard. that Jesus keeps us to. 
You could almost see Peter when he asked this question, thinking that he's really cool, because he not only asks the question, he answers it in a rather confident way, a cocky way. He says he's willing to forgive seven times. Peter is just patting himself on the back, thinking, the Lord is going to be impressed with this offer. Because you see, under the Jewish law, he was only required to forgive three times. So Peter thinks, well, you know, I'm going to be really cool with Jesus. I'm going to say, Jesus, how do you think I'm doing if I do it seven times? Jesus answers back to him and says, not seven times, but 70 times. Seven, and of course, we know the number is like 490 times, but it's not the figure that is important here. Jesus is trying to say to us when it comes to forgiveness, if you're counting, that doesn't count. If you're keeping score, you're truly not forgiving. And so we see that Jesus tells the story of how he forgave and how we should forgive. Why should we forgive one another? Well, firstly, simply, and very powerfully, we forgive because we have been forgiven. Forgive because you have been forgiven. And the thing is, you've been forgiven by someone who's absolutely perfect. And not only has he forgiven you, but that which you did against mankind and God, he took upon himself and he paid the debt for it. We forgive because he has forgiven us. Matthew chapter 18 verse 27 says, the servant's master took pity on him, cancelled his debt and let him go. My friends, the cross of the Lord Jesus, the vertical line, talks about our relationship with him when it comes to forgiveness. Horizontal line speaks about our forgiveness with one another. We can never only live on the horizontal plane here because that is too big for us. Hurt, bitterness is something that you and I can't deal with very, very easily because we're human and we're sinful. But the moment when we start to look at that vertical line, the relationship that we have with God, he releases a grace within our hearts and lives that enables us to start forgiving our spouse, our children, our parents, our friends, our Christian brother or our sister. But forgiveness, my friends, has to start with that vertical line, that vertical relationship with Jesus. And then things start to change and we start to make it. You see, how can I be arrogant and say to you that, I, that I'm not gonna forgive you when I've been forgiven by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our God? It's the question. We forgive 
because we have been forgiven. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, he says, forgive each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. John Piper says, in other words, God's forgiveness is underneath ours and creates it and supports it. And that's how we forgive. I love this passage. We normally use it within marriage seminars or in counseling, but, it, but it's actually for all of us. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. And that's what the cross is all about. In Luke chapter 7, verse 47, there's a wonderful story where Jesus is anointed by a sinful woman and the disciples criticize her. And they say, Jesus, how can she anoint your feet with oil? She's sinful. And Jesus responds to them in this way. You can see the arrogance of the disciples. You see, when we don't understand that we have been forgiven, there's an arrogance within us. And Jesus looks at him and he says to them, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As great love has shown. And then he says, whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Oh, whoever has been forgiven much, loves much. My friends, when we stand before Jesus, when we see him hanging on the cross for our sins, you and I realize that we have been forgiven much. Amen? And as a result, we need to love much. The highest standard that God has called us to live according to as Christians. Oftentimes, when we feel unforgiven, we tend to be unforgiven. And I'm hoping this morning that those of you who are struggling with forgiveness, that the Holy Spirit would come and he would just show you how much you have been forgiven of. And when that happens, it's no longer the blame game that we play with our spouse or with our friends or with our colleagues. It is simply, how can I forgive you? How can I forgive you? How can I love you? Thomas Watson, and I've been reading somewhat after him, he's a Puritan writer, and uh, he said some of these things like, uh, like about four, 300 years ago, but it's so applicable today, and he says, what is forgiveness? And he says, it's very hard to come up with a concise statement of what forgiveness is, and I agree with him. But he says, uh, forgiveness is embodied in resisting thoughts of revenge on the other person. Do you sometimes lie awake at night and you rehearse what the other person have done to you? 
and you plot revenge in your mind. Okay, it doesn't happen in our churches, it only happens in other churches. You just plot that revenge. He says forgiveness, resist the thoughts of revenge. Romans 12, 19, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. Forgiveness is not to seek them harm who have offended you. First Thessalonians 5.15 See that no one repays another with evil for evil. Forgiveness means that we wish the other person well. We want them to succeed. Do you sometimes say, this person hurt me, I, I want them to fail. Like I wanted France to fail yesterday as they played rugby against the Springboks and beat us. Well done, French. We, we want to wish them well. Luke 6, 28 says, bless those who curse you. Bless them. When harm comes to our enemies, are you able to grieve for them? Why? Because we're held to a higher standard as Christians. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, the proverb writer says. And do not let your hearts be glad when they stumble. Forgiveness means that we pray for those who hurt us. Matthew 5, 44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. My goodness, don't we need the grace of God? Forgiveness means we're always willing to come to their relief. <sighs> That's the type of forgiveness that God calls for you and I as Christians to walk in. What forgiveness is not, my friends, forgiveness, and this is what you and I struggle with, forgiveness is not the absence of anger at sin. It is not feeling good about what was bad, and sometimes we feel that if we forgive someone, that's the way we should be feeling. No, that's not what we're talking about here. Forgiveness is not the absence of serious consequence of sin. It doesn't mean that if someone has stolen something from you and um, the consequence is that they have to go into prison, it, it, it doesn't mean that you want to take that away from them, my friends. Uh, we're not, the, the, sometimes you say, you know, if I'm going to forgive them, then they're going to come off scot-free. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness of an unrepented person, it does look a little bit different from, a, from the forgiveness of a person who repents. When a person repents of their sin, a process of reconciliation can start and there can be a journey of trust that can be resumed. But that takes a long time. When a wife or a husband has an adulterous affair, and forgiveness needs to kick in because we're held to our highest standard as Christians because of the marriage covenant that we are involved in, that we sealed with God. My friends, it doesn't mean that you can trust that person straight away, particularly if they're unrepentant. 
But what does mean is you've got to forgive them. You've got to release them because that bitterness and that anger, that's the next point, will eat you up. But you've got to release them for God to come and to deal with them. Sometimes forgiveness is more for us than for the other person. But there has to be that forgiveness. Trust will be developed over a long time. My friends, the Bible doesn't tell us that we need to trust our enemies. But the Bible says we need to love and pray for our enemies. There's a big difference. And sometimes we confuse it and that's why sometimes we get forgiveness and unforgiveness all mixed up. You cannot trust a pedophile with your child, amen? Although you would forgive them for what they've done, you don't trust them. And so I could use many examples like that and we confuse that as Christians sometimes. And that's why we don't understand this process so well. Luke 17 verses three to four says, be on your guard if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns seven times seven, saying, I repent, forgive me. So there is a sense in which full forgiveness is possible in response to repentance, Thomas Watson says. We forgive because we have been forgiven by Jesus wonderful gospel secondly we forgive because resentment will destroy your life and we talked a little bit about that in my introductory comments resentment hurts you more than anybody else Matthew chapter 18 verse 33 to 34 says shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all they owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from the heart. My friends, some of you are being destroyed because of that resentment within your heart. When you forgive, that's when the process can be reversed. Takes a while for the grace of God to pour into your heart, for you to walk it through, but it's possible. I've walked through it, you've walked through it, and we've seen how God makes our hearts soft again and how we can start trusting again. People who do not trust easily are often people who are still wounded from their past hurts. And for us to live harmoniously as a Christian community, to live harmoniously within our marriage relationship, to be brothers and sisters in Christ, God needs to work that through our lives because it becomes a major obstacle for the cause of the gospel to reach the hearts of the people out there. My friends, forgiveness is a choice. It is not just a feeling. We've got to choose to forgive and let God do the rest. But we've got to do it. 
Someone once said that holding on to resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Let, as Ken prayed in the opening prayer of our service, let the anointing oil of God come and be released into your heart so that that poison within your heart can be extracted so that healing can flow again. Sat with a married couple a while ago. We were talking through their marriage and we were saying all of the things that we normally say and very quickly I found out that this married couple didn't actually understand the gospel. Claimed to be Christians, and they probably are Christians, but they didn't understand the gospel. And I started to explain the gospel to the wife at some stage, and I just said to her, stay with your husband because of the gospel. She says, what do you mean about the gospel? And I started talking to her about the highest standard that God has for us as Christians. Because he's forgiven us of so much. And I said the only way we could love someone who has hurt us is in turn through the gospel. Where we allow Jesus to step into our lives. Where we understand that our sins were ugly, our lives were terrible and he stepped in and he forgave us and we owe a debt to him. And when we understand that our debt of worship to him is great we understand that he has even greater grace for us. There is a real sense in which when we understand how much we've been forgiven, how much then we could love. That's where the grace of God comes from, to heal us of these offenses, these, the bitterness, the resentments, that are within our lives. My friends, it's a gospel issue. Understanding what Jesus had done for us. And he can come and he could deal with that resentment. Do you remember as a little boy or as a little girl when your father was never home for you? He never came to your matches when you played or music um, rehearsals when you were there? My friends, even this morning, the Holy Spirit can come and he could deal with those things in the past. Because Jesus paid on the cross for the sin that your father committed or your mother committed or your brother committed or the one who abused you. Jesus died for that sin upon the cross and when he died for that sin upon the cross, that sin has no longer any power over you. That's the gospel. When you go back and you rehearse it, that sin that that person committed again has power over you. But when Jesus died for that person's sin upon the cross, he devoided, he nullified the power of that sin so that you today can walk free. My friends, that's the gospel. And that's how we forgive again and we live free from those things. Unforgiveness, resentment is a gospel issue and let me close now just lastly 
we forgive. Because you are still not perfect. Why should I forgive you? Because you're going to need forgiveness. Amen. Isn't that simple? I kind of love this one because this one, I think every now and then, just grabs my heart because I can relate to that because I'm sinful, I'm, I'm broken, and I know I'm going to hurt Jen, I know I'm going to hurt Ken, I know I'm going to hurt others, I'm not going to be as gracious as I should be, but I know that I'll receive mercy from God. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. You see, we forgive because we are still not perfect. How could you expect to be forgiven by others if you yourself won't forgive? That's arrogance. That's pride. Matthew chapter 18, verses 32 to 35. Said, then the master called, master called the servant, and you wicked servant, he said, I cancelled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should be paid by it all. This is how your heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from the heart. Whoa! You could try and put all of your theologies around that statement and try and nullify it, my friends, but this is what Jesus says. I tried to look at what all of the great theologians were saying about this one and they stumbled over it. Matthew chapter 5 verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. My friends, we forgive because we are still not perfect. We need mercy. So we need to give mercy. Would you stand, please? The band to come, please. What gift will you give this Christmas to someone? Do you think you could give your children the gift of forgiveness? As the music team get ready, I remember my two sons were with us here. Ryan came from New Zealand, Chris came from Barcelona, and they wanted to go out the one night. And I remember I wasn't too happy with the two of them going out. And they were going to return home a little bit later than I wanted them to because I normally stay up until they get home. And we had church the next Sunday. I had to work. And I remember I was... I was, I was harsh with my two sons, and particularly the one son. They went out, they came back, and after I got home from church that day, the Holy Spirit really convicted me. You know when you try and stand up to preach, and it's all like empty words that come out of your mouth. It's where you try and love someone, and you, know, you hug nothing. It's, it's, it's like a tree trunk that you embrace. And that afternoon, when my son woke up, <laughs> I went into his room and I sat on the room and I said to him, 
said to him, I was harsh on you. And I asked for your forgiveness. Would you please forgive me? I did not even say because of this and because of that. The moment when we start to justify our actions, my friends, how many of you know that it's very hard for the other person to forgive us? Amen? Don't do it. Remember sitting there and I just said to him, would you please forgive me? I was wrong. This gracious young man turned around in his bed and he just looked at me. He says, Dad, he says, you need to start trusting me. I said, I know. But he said, you weren't wrong altogether. I was also unfair on you. You know, and it started a relationship of trust again with us that's lasted up to today, my friends. Asking for forgiveness, it's actually easy when you actually do it. It's impossible when you don't do it. As we sing this next song, let's continue for the word of God through the gospel of our Lord Jesus to come and to untangle us from this web of sin that we are often enslaved to.